faith brought back from the dead. Faith brought back from the dead. Faith will work if you work it. Faith in God. And I just got a feeling some of us are going through some real tests of our faith. In fact, as a church, we're always going through tests of faith. God is still on the throne, I want to remind you. And the Lord is still in control, I want to remind you. And his kingdom's an everlasting kingdom. And his will is being done and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is good to know today. Tell me, are you going through a struggle with your faith these days? Do you need your faith to be strengthened? I believe the Lord is calling some of us to rise above the mealy circumstances of this whole life and to do extraordinary things for a great and mighty God. I don't know who, what you're going through maybe necessarily today, but I do believe this, that there's some mountains that need to be moved in our life. I believe this, there's some giants that need to be killed in our life. I believe this, that God has the much more for you and for me. Can I get somebody to say amen? Y'all don't believe that? My, your faith needs to come back to life. Your faith has died, and your faith needs to come back to life. Oh, yes, mine, every once in a while, uh, God will say, Son, don't you trust me? Faith without works is dead. You see, faith works if you work it, if you really work it. But let me tell you something. I got to thinking about what the Lord was going to have me to share. Do you know the difference in a saved man and a lost man? Tell me something, the old saying. Is there enough evidence in your life that you're a Christian? Can somebody see enough evidence? Would you be convicted that you're a Christian? You live the normal life like everybody else does? I mean, is there anything different about your life? Listen, beloved. A lost man can say, well, I got faith. Or an unconverted unbeliever can say, well, I got faith to get up in the morning. And I got faith that I'll go to work. And I got faith that I'll come home. And I've got faith that I'll, you know, get in the car and God will keep me safe. And, and, uh, but, but that kind of faith is not the kind of faith that saves you. What kind of faith do you have? Is it milli faith or is it mega faith? I believe that sometimes in our life, our faith needs to come back to life again. And so the question is that, what does James mean when he says, faith without works is dead? I'm telling you today, we're going to take a little journey, and I believe there's three ways the Lord put in my heart to share with you today how you and I can have our faith come back to life again. If ever there's a time, real faith, I'm not talking about counterfeit faith, I'm not talking about this uh, you know, shallow stuff that's going around in our culture today about Christianity, but I'm talking about real trust in the Lord. I'm talking about seeing God stretch forth his hand to power and take back the ground of the enemy. I'm talking about believing God to do great exploits in your life. I'm talking about lost men and women and boys and girls being like brands plucked from the fire, watching the living God change their heart. It takes great faith to see God work these days and God's looking for the people that'll believe him. I don't know about you, but I want to say this, Lord, I want to go on record that I don't want to just casually go through this Christian life, but rather I want to see the much more and I believe we as a church want to see the much more. And so the question is, where are you at? Some of you are discouraged. I know you're discouraged. I can look at your face and tell you're discouraged. Some of you are despondent, and we get that way at times. Maybe some of you are depressed today. Uh, circumstances come, sometimes can knock us off our feet, and things that happen around us that we can't control sometimes can 
cause us to take a step back. We take one step forward and sometimes two steps back. But I believe the Lord is calling us today, let faith arise. Let your faith be brought back from the dead. Are you going to really believe God? And by the way, what do you believe in God to do? You have not because you ask not. You receive not because you ask amiss. And Jesus said, what several things you ask believing, you shall receive. Here's where we're going today. There are three ways that the Lord put in my heart to share with you today, and I'm preaching to myself, that your faith and my faith can come back to life again. Number one, and I'll have it on the screen in a moment, do you really have, do I have what I call winning faith? We'll see it in a moment. Winning faith. Number two, do we have willing faith? And number three, do we have working faith? Turn in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 2. In the book of James chapter 2, this is a very familiar passage. Again, the problem is not do we know what it says. The problem is, is our faith being put into action? James chapter 2. And we began reading in verse 14. James chapter 2. Now look, I, I saw a vulture this morning on the way to church. And, and the other day I was riding, I'm not going to tell you what church, but I saw a church that had a vulture sitting on the top of the steeple of this church. Boy, it really spoke volumes to me. I said, I don't want to be like the church of Sardis, a dead church. Lord, I want to be a living church. But you know what? The church, listen to me, the church is made up of people in the church. The church will never rise any higher than you are. It's not just about one or two, a Sunday school teacher, or a pastor, or one of the deacons. It's about us as a church. And if we don't exercise faith in God, then how can we expect God to honor? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's say that together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Say it again. Without faith. That's what Hebrews 11, 6 says. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's some mamas today. There's some daddies today. There's some grandparents today. There's some workers today. There's some husbands today. There's some wives today. There's some young people today. There's some Christian leaders today right here in this place that you're right at a crossroads and God's saying, I want you to exercise faith in me. In the book of James chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. You're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. In James chapter 2, and James, the half-brother of our Lord, among other practical Christian living, he mentions this thing of faith. And I begin reading in verse 14. If you'd like to stand to read the wonderful Word of God, you can do so. He says in verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works, can faith save him? You know what? If you look at the original Greek, we're told by Greek scholars, it has the definite article inserted in this phrase, meaning this, can that kind of faith save him? Can that kind of faith really save him? You know, there's a lot of people today that say they have faith, but where are the works? James is absolutely cutting through the chase, and he's saying this, if you say you have faith, there ought to be some works in your life, and if there are not any works in your life, that's not really the kind of faith that God gives. I'm just paraphrasing what we're fixing to read. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warned and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? He's using an example here. Verse 17. Even so, that he's saying just like this, faith, if it not have works, is dead being alone. 
Now pause for a moment and let me just simply add, interject a thought. Martin Luther, of course, if you've read any of his writings, you're well aware of the fact he rejected the book of James because he said it was somewhat of a contradiction between Paul's writing and the fact that we're by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For by grace, so you see, through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And therefore, Luther said, wait a minute, James contradicts Paul. There's no contradiction at all in the Scripture. Not at all. Absolutely not. But listen, we don't work in order to be saved, but if you are saved, there are going to be some works. That's the best way to say it. It's God working in us. It's not us apart from Him. Philippians 2.13, He's working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Thus, watch this, proving we are the children of God. That's how we know we're children of God because God is working in us and through us and there are the good works. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are His workmanship created unto good works which He had before ordained that we should walk in them. Now keep reading verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. I just want to get personal with you today. Where are your works? And like the old saying, where's the beef? Where's the beef? We can talk all day long, but the talk's not the problem. The walk is the problem. Oh, God, oh, God, I, I don't have to muster up energy in the flesh to produce works, but I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. If Jesus Christ is Lord, if I'm going to be a Spirit-filled Christian, then God is going to flow through us and give us sensitivity to meet needs and, uh, and anoint us and empower us, yea, fill us with the gift or gifts God has given us for His glory. Now, keep reading verse number 19. He said, I will show thee my work, faith by my works. Verse 19, thou believest. He all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he just, he just comes right to the point. Uh, you know, people say, I believe in God today. But he's making a comment here, James, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But thou believest there's one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe. Demons believe that there's one God and tremble. The word tremble means the hair literally stands up on the back of their neck. To say you believe in God, like a lot of people do today, is really cheap talk. Where's the works? Where, that's what James is saying. Where's the proof? Where's the fruit? Where's the lifestyle? Is there enough evidence that people see Jesus and you and me? God, help me as I search my heart and say, oh God, not I but Christ. Look at verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is, what's the next word? It's dead. Does your faith need to be brought back to life? Are you doubting God? Are you in a cynicism type of attitude or a negative attitude? I'm finding more and more these days, if I'm not careful, I get negative. And I'm around a lot of Christians, and I'm finding negativism and uh, pessimism among a lot of Christians today. And, it, and it, it, I know when I get that way, uh, it's because I'm losing sight of who he is and what he wants to do in my life. Now notice verse number 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou, seest thou how faith wrought with his works. He believed God. By works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God. And it was imputed, it was imparted, it was um, counted unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Then verse 24 is a good word, verse you need to kind of couple and compare with over in Ephesians 2. 
verse 8 and 9. You see then how that, a, that by works, says James, works, works, works. A man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Verse 26, he concludes this matter of this discussion. For as the body without the spirit is dead, you know when the spirit departs from the body, absent from the body, present with the Lord. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Father, I know I can do nothing without you, but Lord, and I know that it's all of you. You're the vine with a branch, and I pray you'll teach me and help me to, Lord, come under your authority. You'll help me, Lord, to submit my mind, my will, my emotions to the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your calling, your giftings that with, without repentance. Lord, I bless you. You've called us for such a time as this. You've designated that we live and move and have our being in you. You've planted us in various mission fields all across this um, state and this county. And, and, oh, God, I pray, oh, Father, help us not to miss out on the opportunity help us not to fail you father you've been faithful to me you've been faithful to us i pray you'll give us great grace and wisdom and unction and vision and power to rise above the lord things going on around us and uh, oh father we pray now that you will have the preeminence and that when all said and done we'll glorify you i'm asking you to those that are here, thank you for saving Clint. Hallelujah. Thank you for saving Billy. And I pray, God, that you'll stir up the gift of God, which is in thee with a lingering of hands, as Paul said to Timothy. And, Father, us who've been saved for a while, help us not to get stagnant. Help us not to get stale. Help us not to get complacent. Help us not to get lukewarm. Oh, God, I pray you'll keep the fires of faith burning in our heart and you'll fan the flames of faith. And, Father God, you'll cause us to rise above the Lord the world the flesh the devil and we thank you now today that faith is going to come back to life in the hearts of many of your people and when all said and done we'll say hallelujah the Lord God omnipotent reigneth find the wicked spirits of hell our father from us and from our homes and our families and we pray dear God you'll help us to keep our eyes on you and I thank you now for victory in Jesus in Jesus mighty name amen Amen and amen. All God's people said, praise the Lord. Here's where we're going to the text. As I've already mentioned, first of all, we're going to see this thing. Do you have, number one, winning faith? Winning faith. I find that in verse 14 through 18. Secondly, do you have willing faith? I find that in verse number 19. Thirdly, do we have not only winning faith and willing faith, do we have working faith? Is your faith working? It will work if you work it. Hello? Faith will work if you work it. But you've got to work it. Now, we're going to talk more about this in a moment. But first of all, consider with me, the first way I believe that the Lord can bring our faith back from the dead is, number one, ask this question. Do I have winning faith? And what do we mean by winning faith? There are three steps the Lord put in my heart to give to you today, three steps that I believe will help us on this matter of winning faith. Number one, and you need to note that it all starts with the promise. It all starts with the promise. 
And then the promise leads to problems. And then the problems lead to provisions. Let me explain. You see, uh, faith is not uh, us conjuring up what we want to do apart from the Lord. Rather, faith is taking God at His word. Faith is believing God not only can, but faith is believing God will. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the writer of Hebrews says. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we're to walk by faith and not by sight. I know that we're so prone to, to, to look at everything and circumstances and problems and all of that. And we tend to sink like Peter. Peter took his eyes off the Lord. And he said, dear Lord, save me. I'm glad that God can save us today. He can save you today. Maybe you've been in doubt for a long time. Doubt and do without, believe and receive. You can choose to lose or you can make a choice to rejoice. Is there anybody here that God is saying, hey, let faith arise. Hey, don't believe the lies of the devil. Hey, just resist the devil. He'll flee from you. I believe God is calling some of us today to do great and mighty things for the Lord and for his glory. Listen, I'm talking about the strongholds of the enemy absolutely crossed and snapped from those hindering and hampering sins. But listen, faith begins with a promise. It begins with a promise. Here's the steps. Now listen, listen you're right in one of these steps right now. You're in one of these steps right now. First comes the promise. And Paul wrote to the Roman church and he said, for example, in chapter 4, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. That's Romans 4, verse 17 through 19. Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God. He didn't say, well, God said that, but you don't know what I've been through. Uh, God said that, but you don't know uh, what I'm facing. Uh, I know God said that he's going to be with me, but... Uh, you know, it's feelings or faith. And I know sometimes we go through various troubles and trials, but the promise begins. Abraham, listen, he did not stagger at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, forsaking all, I trust him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Faith is not hocus pocus. Faith is not wishy-washy. Faith, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you really ready? Faith is taking God at his word. Is there anybody today that's going to rise up and say, Lord, I, I, I can't figure it all out. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to stand on your promises, standing on the promises of Christ, my king. Oh, yes, have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches on his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. No wonder the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. How many of y'all today would be honest and say, you know what? I could use a little faith strengthening these days. Probably most of us could if we're honest with God. Probably most of us could. And my hand's raised as well. It starts with the promise. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back to the promise. Abraham, 75 years old, called out of the earth of Chaldees a pagan land, more than likely uh, worshiping along with his father, according to Joshua, uh, his father was an idol worshiper, and yet God called Abraham, some say uh, thousands or hundreds of miles at least out of there of the Chaldees, and yet to an address he didn't have. Abraham had to believe God. Wait a minute, he's 75 years old. 
You know what God promises Abraham? You ready for this? A threefold promise. Number one, a national promise. Number two, a personal promise. And number three, a universal promise. You know what God promised Abraham? Now listen, here's the faith. Here's the series. Here's the stages of faith that Abraham faced it. You faced it. I'm going to face it. Others face it. The promise, God says, out of your seed is going to come a great nation. We call that the Abrahamic covenant. And God gave that unconditional, mind you, unconditional. The word is olam. Forever, the Lord said he gave it to Abraham. And thus it had not been totally fulfilled. That's another message for another time. But I believe indeed it will be fulfilled during the millennial reign when Christ comes and sets up his throne. And the Jews do possess more than the 10% of the land they've already possessed as described numerous places in the Old Testament. But nonetheless, not only did God give Abraham a promise such as that, but he said, watch this. He said, you're going to have a baby and you're going to have an heir. Well, 75 years old, sounds like a good promise to me. One year passes by, two years passes by, three years passes by, four years pass by, five years pass by, six years pass by, seven years pass by, eight years pass by, nine years pass by, no promise, no baby. Ten, no baby, hello. <laughs> Y'all know all about that, don't you? And 11, 10 years pass by, finally 11 years later. And God comes and Abraham says, you know what? God promised me a baby, but... I hadn't seen any baby, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm 80. I, I'm I'm well up in age now, 99 uh, years old, and I I mean I just I just uh, well actually 86 at the time. And he said, I just don't know if I'm gonna have a God promise me this. But the problems, notice the screen. The problems begin to develop. First the promise, then the problem. Where's the baby? One year passes by. Am I preaching to anybody today? You've been praying for a long time for that loved one. They're not saved. Am I, am I talking to anybody today that you said, man, I've been wanting to get out of debt for a long time. God gave me the promise in Romans 13, 8, to owe nobody nothing. God gave me some promises, but for some reason it hadn't happened yet. Well, you've got to make responsible decisions, and I have to make responsible decisions as good stewards. Now, there's no neglecting of that, but nonetheless, there's probably some people today that you're praying about something and it hadn't happened. There's the problems. This is the obvious synchronization or the order that God seems to bring us through in order for faith to be strengthened. It'd be nice if we just got the promise and boy, then comes the provision. That's what we want. We're impatient. Lord, I want it now. <laughs> I want it now, right? I want it now. I want to see my grandchild saved now. I want to see my children serving God now. I want to see the Lord provisions now. But 14 years passed by, 11 years passed by, and Abraham says, you know, Sarah, I'm paraphrasing in my own sanctified imagination. You know, we don't have a baby. What do you think we ought to do about it? Well, no, we do. You do have a maid, you know, Hagar. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You think we, maybe, maybe God missed it here. Maybe I'll go, you know, maybe we ought to have a baby over there with Hagar. Does that sound like a good idea to you, Sarah? Yes, yeah, sound like a good idea to me. Ah, oh, sound like a good idea to me. And next thing you know, Ishmael is born. That's not the promised child, mind you. Ishmael's another story in itself. Uh, the uh, Muslim um, even recognized Ishmael as directed uh, directly to the Islamic movement. However, that's not the point. The point is this. Years pass, and then God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I gave you a promise, but are you going to believe me? Are you going to stagger at my promises? And so the next thing you know, God says to Abraham and, I, uh, Abraham and Sarah, rather, that I'm going to give you a, a child, and they laugh and said, yeah, really? And, uh, and then the next thing you know, a year later, he has a child. Abraham's 100, and Sarah is 90. 
Now, how many of you ladies would like to have a baby at nine? <laughs> Can you see Abraham going down to Walmart at Mesopotamia, picking up some Geritol along with some Pampers? I mean, he's, he's doing like this with his cane. He said, what are you getting them baby diapers for? I just had a baby. You did what? I just had a baby. Really? Well, anyway. By the way, y'all don't take this personally. I heard about a baby that was born and so ugly, the doctor slapped the mama instead of the baby, all right? Anyway, you'll get a life here in a minute. But uh, so here we go. He has, uh, he, he, God provides and God's provision comes. Here's the, here's the order in which we come. I talked with a young person not long ago, and they said, you know, they said, uh, I'm praying about a new job. And you know what? They, the job came open. And they said, man, I'm excited. I got this job. And I said, wonderful. And then the next day, guess what happened? The job fell through. They were devastated. And they said, I can't believe this. It's almost like God, you this snatched out from under me. I said, keep praying, keep believing. God's got something better for you. How many believe God's got something better? Amen. You read the book of Hebrews, you can find Abel, he had a better, oh, yes, he did. And, and Noah, he had a better, and, and Enoch, he had a better pursue, and, and Abraham, a better promise, and Jacob, a better power. I mean, you can go all the way through the book of Hebrews and see God has something better. Anyway, this person didn't get the job, but guess what happened? Three days later, three days is significant. Three days later, guess what happened? The phone rang, and they got a better job. They got a better job. They loved their job. And guess what would have happened if they had taken that other job? They would have missed out on the better job God had for them. I think that's just like God, don't you? Praise the Lord. He's trustworthy. He's been faithful to you. He's been faithful to me. Are we faithful to him? The problems, the provisions, the promise. But that leads us to not only uh, the first way, but notice with me again, number two. Do you have not only winning faith, but look at this, willing faith. Chapter 2, verse 19. Look what James said. We already read it, but read it again. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, this is very important. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil believes and trembles. You know the difference when somebody says, I believe God? I'm not always sold out and, oh, well, wonderful. Praise God. You believe in God. The devils believe in God. I'll tell you something the difference. You know what the devils have not done? Repented. The devils have not said, I want to change your heart. So just because somebody says they believe God does not necessarily mean that it's saving faith. Somebody put it this way. It's like a two-sided coin. Faith on one side and repentance on the other side. Faith in God and that metanoia, that willing to turn a U-turn, as it were, a change of heart about our sin, about our Savior, and about ourselves. Have you done that? Have you turned from your sin? And have you turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you arose from the grave. And I want to put my faith and trust in your shed blood alone. The demons believe in God. But do you believe as in the believe into? As many as received him to them, gave me power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. That's John chapter 1 and verse number 12. And so... So this matter of uh, do you have not only winning faith, do you have willing faith? Are you willing to be willing? One of our men texts me, and I appreciate so much. Some of you got some great mountain-moving faith. It always blesses me. It always encourages me. I mean, I'm stretched from shore to shore. I'll be honest with you. 
And how many know that some people around here, they'll stretch you when it comes to this thing of faith. There's some people that got mega faith. And there's some people that like old Jacob of old, they said, like an old bulldog will hang on to you. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. One of our brothers, and many of you know who I'm talking about, sent me a text just last week and said, Brother Randy, I'm praying God will have, uh, uh, bring in some resources for us at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. We won't even be able to contain it. We're not talking about uh, just, a, and this is what this man told me. <laughs> Was that a blessing or what? He said, I'm praying for a million dollars. Is it a million or is it more than a million? <laughs> I love that. Don't you love that? Come on, let's praise the Lord. I love that. I love that. Hey, look, it's not about the money. It's about the faith. According to your faith, let it be. If you send your faith, somebody put it this way, if you send up your faith in a little bitty thimble, that's what God's going to send back. But if you send it in a great big barrel, God's going to say, uh, the old saying is, what did they send their faith in? Well, it's a little bitty old thimble. Well, send back a thimble full of blessing and let them. But what they send their faith in a great big barrel. <laughs> according to the will of God, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition we desired of him. Speaking of that, it reminded me of the, you, I've told the story before, but uh, the pastor that the lady called him and said, uh, would you come to my house? My husband just won $2 million sweepstakes. Uh, and I'm afraid he's got a heart condition. He's liable to have a heart attack if I tell him he won $2 million. Would you come over to the house? Break it to him gently. The pastor said, sure, I'll do it. He went over to the house. He sat down at the table. The man sat at the table. He looked at the man. He said, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, what would you do if you knew you just won $2 million? The man, without blinking an eye, said to the pastor, I'd give half of it to church. The pastor had a heart attack and died right there on the spot. <laughs> hey, oh, praise the Lord. Anyway, so willing faith. Do you have willing faith? Is your faith willing? Are you willing to be stretched? Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you willing to be broken bread? Are you willing to be poured out juice? Are you willing to be clay in the potter's hand? Are you willing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done? Are you willing to be a vessel in the hand of the master carpenter? That's the question. So, number three, notice, not only are you willing, but number three, are you, do you have winning faith, willing faith, and then finally, do you have working faith look at verse 20 through verse 26 of james chapter 2 verse 20 reads this way but will thou know O vain, vain man that faith without works is dead was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered up isaac his son upon the altar that was after he believed god and that's the reference as you're well aware of the fact somebody brought to my attention again this week hold your place right there verse number 21 he said pastor did, did, did you have you read in the bible where uh where God said through Abraham that they were going to the mountain. It was Mount Moriah, by the way. Genesis 22 is the reference. And that is the exact place of the Temple Mount. Interesting to note. Second Chronicles, I believe, chapter 3, verse 1 uh, notes. And furthermore, that's the place of the new temple that will be rebuilt, the Antichrist temple. But anyway, this person said to me this week, they said, have you read over there where Abraham was going to offer Isaac, but, a but God... Abraham said, we're coming back. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, the lad and I are going yonder, but we'll be back. 
And in fact, writer to Hebrews said that God believed, that Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. Why is that significant? Because that was faith in action. Why is that significant? Because the Lord had instructed Abraham because uh, God wasn't really after Isaac as much as he was Abraham. Listen to me. Isaac had become an idol, perhaps, in Abraham's life. And, and the Lord wants us to lay down our idols on the altar. And therefore, Abraham was obedient. He believed God. And that's what he's talking about here. And yet, Hebrews, the writer said that God was able to even raise him from the dead. So, working faith, working faith. Keep reading, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Where are your works? Where's the works? And then verse 23, as the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot, here's another example, justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. And so, for as concluding, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. And so the question is, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have winning faith? Do you have willing faith? Do you have working faith? Where are you having to exercise faith in God? Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you that you're a Christian? Are you kind of living the same life that a person who's not even a Christian lives? Is that real faith? What are you asking God to do today? What do you need the Lord to do? What are you going to believe God to do? Is your faith alive? Does your faith really need to come back from the dead? I close on this. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what God can do. And the church said, stand together, would you?